0: Friend, and welcome to the U Turn podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, and the best selling author of the book U Turn Get Unstuck, Discover Your Direction, Design Your Dream Career. I wrote this U Turn book and I created this podcast to help you reconnect to who you truly are. And that's why every single week I bring a guest on with tools to help you upgrade your confidence, both in your work life and in your love life. And I'm also so excited to say that this episode has been sponsored in part by our friends over at Soul CBD. Soul CBD is the purest, cleanest CBD company that I've used, and at this point, I won't go anywhere else for CBD. Their products are all organically farmed, gluten-free, and have absolutely zero THC in them. So it's just clean CBD to help you calm your stress or your anxiety so that you can sleep well and be the best you possible. So if you don't have a sweet tooth like I do, then perhaps instead of their CBD gummies, I highly recommend checking out their CBD oil droppers that still happen to taste really good, the highest dose is 1500 milligrams. the lightest dose is 500 milligrams, and their flavors include watermelon mint, orange, peppermint, and my personal favorite, the lemon-lime. So before I became obsessed with the CBD gummies, I was taking these droppers at night per the suggestion of my doctor who told me that they are totally safe and such a great way for me to get better, deeper sleep so that I can wake up replenished and tackle the day. Co founder of Soul CBD, Mike Lee, discovered this product as a healing remedy for him after being a professional boxer, enduring all sorts of injuries during his career in boxing matches all around the world. And it's helped him heal so much with his autoimmune illness. It's really this product that was key to bringing his body back into a better homeostasis. And I know it's doing the same. For so many people, this little oil dropper is perfect to throw into your purse, or if you're feeling extra, you can drop a little splash of it into your coffee or your cocktail to calm yourself down for the day. As you know, our friends at Soul CBD have given us a discount code for 15% off your order. I can't suggest them enough. Head on over to AshleyStahl.com/slash soul to access our special page with them. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L dot com slash S-O-U-L soul to access our page. And don't forget to use the code U-TURN at checkout for 15% off. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. Now let's get into this week's episode.
1: And this is a piece that I don't think a lot of healthcare practitioners, you know, maybe because it's just still taboo or they feel uncomfortable themselves discussing with their patients, but women need to know the power that they have. And the more that you orgasm, the more that you're able to tap into that creativity like some someone might talk about it in terms of chakras or energy centers like your root chakra your your sacral chakra this is all in that in that same vicinity so if you can open up that creative prowess by orgasming you are going to be much better off for it Friends, it's Ash here
2: at the U Turn podcast. I'm so excited to bring Dr. Stephanie Estima onto the podcast. She has so much to talk about. She is the host of the Better with Dr. Stephanie podcast. She has a book called The Betty Body A Geeky Goddess's Guide to Intuitive Eating, Balanced Hormones, and Transformative Sex. Clearly, there's so much we can ask her about, and today I want to talk to her about what it really looks like. So this is an episode for the ladies mostly, but obviously, if you're a cool, evolved guy, you'll probably be into knowing about this too, about how to own your feminine power. Like we are in a patriarchal society. Uh, The numbers are still not adding up, even though a lot more women are educated and in their power and their careers and their lives. And I feel like so many women, if I had a penny for every single one telling me they feel like a man, you know, come home at the end of the day and it feels so challenging to reconnect to that real feminine essence that we all have as nurturers and lovers and receptive women. And so um, it's without further ado, Dr. Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: I am delighted to be here. I can't wait to get into this with you.
2: Yeah, it's so much fun just kind of like looking through the pages of your book and just grabbing on to different topics you covered, like talking about orgasms, talking about your menstrual cycle. I mean, there's so many things that I don't hear people talking about very commonly that you so fiercely cover. Um, So I want to start with like what got you into this work and um, I don't know, like what what was that moment that you realized like I'm not going to fit into this patriarchal box anymore?
1: Yeah. Uh, this is such a good question. And this is actually like the secret, you know, the, one of the through lines of the book is like, women are not little men. You know, we're not these smaller archetypes of men with like pesky menstrual hormone, <laughs> like reproductive hormones. Right. So my, my own story, I talk about this in the book is really, I used to look at my menstrual cycle, my period in particular, uh, but really like it was, I felt like terrible two weeks out of every month. Uh, And I felt like I was being punished for being a woman, like my, you know, my breasts felt like they were angry and hot. And I had uh, putting on t-shirts, like anything that touched my chest was just uncomfortable. I had cramping, I was moody, I couldn't sleep. Like it was all of these, you know, what you, someone might label like premenstrual symptoms, but like uh, many women, I was like, well, this is just part and parcel of being a woman. This is just, you know, something that I have to deal with. And the way that I dealt with it was I ignored it, you know, (laughs) so I would take, you know, the Tylenols or the Midals or the, you know, whatever symptom masking medication, um, that I could in order to continue punching out whatever it is that I was, that I was doing. So that might, whether that was in university, trying to get good grades, it was in my, um, my schooling as a, you know, going into chiropractic, College, like trying to, you know, pass my courses and all, I would just completely ignore my body. Ironically, because I was a healthcare professional. And, you know, I often say that in school, in my health, you know, care schooling, I was probably the most unhealthy that I've ever (laughs) been in my entire life. Because all I was doing was sitting and studying and having, you know, coffee, double cream, double sugar, you know, to try and get and donuts from the cafeteria, which had, you know, just decrepit nutrient devoid toxic garbage there um so yeah it was really decades of me completely at war it felt like with my body and i had as life does, you know, when it rains, it pours. I, um, was going through. So first I had a clinic, you know, practicing for many years, my clinic burned down. Um, so there's a fire, it was flattened. And then at the same time as this clinic fire where I, completely lost my ability to make money. I also um, was going through a divorce uh, with small children. So very, you know, emotionally uh, challenging, very stressful time. And, um, you know, my... Uh, my children's father and I, we are great friends now, but I don't care if you're Gwyneth Paul, I don't care who you are. But at the time when you're going through a divorce, like it's, unless if you're a saint, like it's just, it's just a difficult time and you throw young children into it and it's just, you know, it's heartbreaking. So, so anyway, I decided to, uh, after finalizing the divorce, uh, I had finally rebuilt my clinic uh, in the way that I had wanted with like rehab center and all the things I wanted. I took my children uh, on a trip family trip to Italy. Um, And in Italy, I just like chill. I did, I was like living like my best Mediterranean life. So it was just, you know, sleeping at the beach and having pasta and gelato in the evening and a cappuccino in the morning. But the interesting thing was I was getting like lots of natural sunlight. I was walking a lot. So you'd have this big pasta or big pizza or whatever. And then you'd go for a walk after dinner, right? We'd go walking by the boardwalk. We'd, you know, there'd be like a little town square and there was, you know, little fun things going on for the kids and, um, sleeping a lot, eating really clean food. And in, on that trip, I got my period towards the end of it, which normally would have ruined everything. Like, you know, couldn't go to the beach, like hold up in the hotel room with like a mask and, you know, but none of those things happened. It was, honestly, I felt like I was menstruating like a goddess. It was like easy, breasts weren't angry, you know, stomach, you know, no cramping. And I was insanely curious, um, just sort of my scientific, you know, inquiring mind, like, if I could have this dramatic a turnaround in three weeks, because we were we were in Europe for about three weeks, could I bring some of these things? Like, could I deconstruct what I had done? And bring it back home and replicate that. Like, could I actually enjoy my period? Is this something that is in the cards for me? (laughs) So came back, I was practicing at the time running a nutrition program inside the clinic at the time. Um, And I started experimenting on myself. And some of the female uh, clients, like patients that I had that we were running through this nutrition program um, who were also exhibiting, like kind of saying, you know, like we were, it was a ketogenic based program and the guys that were doing the program, my patients that were men were like, this is the best thing ever. Like I've been on it for, you know, a, a week, I've dropped 20 pounds. This is so awesome. And my ladies were like, okay, what gives? I'm eating the same damn thing that these guys are. And I've lost, you know, four you know, two pounds, sometimes nothing. So I was really curious to start nuancing um, the application of nutrition to my cycle, to my female, um, uh, to my patient cycles. And that was really the 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 beginning, the birth, if you will, of the book, The Betty Body, and um, really the way that I live now, which is very much, I make all my decisions, business decisions, uh, you know, nutrition decisions, exercise decisions based on my cycle. And I feel more connected to myself. I feel more connected to the planet. I feel more connected to my children, to my now partner. So yeah, oh that's, gosh. that's the back of the envelope.
2: Okay. I want to give like, first of all, that's so cool. I obviously the whole time you're talking about going to Italy, I was like, well, can't you just stay there? It's so happy over there,
1: but
2: (laughs) love that you were really intentional bringing it home. And curious if you can give us like a brief lesson or insight just on an overview of what you see happening before, during, and maybe in the days right after or leading up to your period so that women can kind of understand like Based on their hormones, based on their period, like what is going on for them mentally or creatively, just like a little overview if possible.
1: Yes, I love this. And we go in a lot of detail um, in the book. So there's like week by week, what's happening hormonally, all of that stuff. But to answer your question in, in a succinct way, I would say that there's two main phases of your menstrual cycle. And when I say menstrual cycle, I don't mean your period, I actually mean the entire cycle. So a lot of times those two words are conflated, we'll say period, and we mean menstrual cycle. So, um, your menstrual cycle is like the 28 or 29 day, you know, cycling through your entire hormonal milieu. And within that 28 or 29 day period, there's sort of two main phases. The first two weeks, um, it's called 12 to 14 days, uh, is called your follicular phase. The second two weeks is your luteal phase. So in your follicular phase, if we were to liken this to the, to the seasons, Uh, your bleed week, uh, you know, the week of your period, everyone knows when they're on their period, right? That's week one of your cycle. That would be sort of akin to winter right? So this is where, um, you know, when you look around, if you are someone who lives in four seasons, there's like, there's no leaves on the trees, everything looks kind of dead. And that's actually very similar to what's happening, right? The tissue, the endometrial lining, there's been no fertilized egg. And so your endometrial lining is shedding. And that's what you see in your, you know, if you're wearing a cup or you're wearing a pad or tampon, whatever, the blood that you see is the dead tissue, right? So from a, um, creative or from a business standpoint, I talk a little bit about this in the book and I was saying this a little bit too you in the pre-chat, when we talk about, you know, men will say, okay, I'm going to make a decision about something and I'll get back to you. Right. For women, this period of shedding, we are literally getting rid of old stuff, you know, for you to, um, Problem solve. This is a great week to problem solve. So if there's something that you need to fix in the next cycle, next quarter, next year, next whatever, um, you should be bleeding on it. Like your bleed week is a great time for problem solving because you are getting rid of old, so you can you can bring in a new solution during this time. Um, with the other week in the follicular um, phase would be your. Um, uh, pre ovulate, like pre ovulation before the egg is released. We see a lot of different changes in the hormonal composition of a woman this week, but generally this feels like spring, right? So think, you know, we have this like lots of energy, we see the tulips and, you know, everything is sort of starting to bud and there's a lot of expansive energy. So, so is, that, from-
2: is that right after your period? That would yes. be right after. Okay.
1: Yes. And there's a couple There's a couple of hormones that are driving that. One, we're seeing estrogen coming up high and the other uh, hormone that peaks in women during this week is testosterone. So this is more of like that extroverted, You, this is a great time for networking. It's a great time to be speaking. It's a great time to be making connections. You have this peak of estrogen. So what we know about the brain, especially the female brain and the impact of estrogen is our verbal centers. Uh, so for speech and vocabulary, love to bathe in estrogen. So when we have more estrogen, we can pull, you know, our vernacular is just so much more complex, right? We just have this, we have this array of words that we can draw from. So really great time to be speaking, really great time to be networking, making connections. And then we have ovulation, which is, you know, like, summer, if you will, right, it's the release of the egg. Um, It is sort of the hot, like the, you know, the the height of your energy. And then we move into the luteal phase. So the luteal phase is the second two weeks. This is now um, where we see the entire hormonal landscape, uh, it changes. So now we start We estrogen drops, and then it comes back up again for this lower but sustained peak uh, of secretion for almost the entire two weeks, save for the last three to four days before you get your period. And then we also see a hormone called progesterone make her debut. So again, when we think about this in a, uh, in a business context, how you're showing up at work, I just mentioned that estrogen is very, very potent in terms of its effects on our vocabulary, our verbal articulation. So this is a really great time, your luteal phase to give a speech, to ask for a raise, (laughs) to do a podcast, (laughs) you know, like to be where you are speaking uh, and where you are delivering content because you're much more um, adept during these two weeks and right before you ovulate to really be speaking. Um, this is the, um, you know, the proverbial fall, right? So this is when we start to go a little bit more inward and we are finishing projects that we started in the spring and the summer, right? So we're, you know, this is like the harvest, right? So this is where we have grown the seeds, we've sown the seeds, and now we are, you know, harvesting, we are reaping the benefits from what we've sown. I don't know what that, I forget the reaping what you've sown. Is that, a, is that a saying Some, something like that? Right. So we're reaping what we've sown. It's a time for us to um, start to think about what it is that we want to be producing or creating in the next cycle, and then we come to that last week right before you bleed, so that that week before your period. And for many women, um, this can be a time where if you are going to be inflamed, you are going to feel inflamed. So like physically you can feel inflamed, like your rings may not, you know, kind of fit the way that they should, or you might feel like you're retaining water, sleep might be disrupted. Um, You might have appetite, like might have more cravings. And the important part of this is a lot of women will say, Oh, like, I, like, I hate my period. Like, it's like my PMS, like, but I would love to reframe the this time in a way that serves you. So a lot of times in those three or four days before you get your period. So in that fourth week, people are irking you. Like something is irking you usually, like it might be your boss. It might be your your spouse or your partner. It might be, you know, the way your clothes are fitting you or whatever. And a lot of times we sort of chalk it up and dismiss it as like, oh, it's just PMS. It's just like my stupid body, but your body Here is sending you a signal that something is not working. This is called a negativity bias, where everything is sort of seems like it's wrong. So, I would offer during this time, instead of saying, like, oh, just like my PMS, my period's coming, to really pay attention and hold space for the things that are coming up for you because this is your body trying to tell you these are the problems that you need to solve next week when you're bleeding, right? When you're getting rid of old and allowing for the new, the next cycle in your life, whether that cycle is the next 28 days or the next quarter or the whatever time uh, you can define for yourself. These are the problems that I want you to think about. And you'll probably notice as you, you know, if you track your cycle, if you track your moods during this time, It's probably the same things that are bothering you every single month. It's probably your boss is pissing you off every single month in the four to five days before you get your period, or it could be your partner, or it could be your child, or it could be whatever. But this is just your body's gentle nudge to say, Hey, like this is not working for you. So how can you begin to move and get into alignment with what you really want? And how can you begin to find a solution for that next week when you are on your period?
2: Okay, this is really cool stuff. And I feel like my current partner has taught me like three to four days before my period, like that I do get a little bit like um, unreasonable, I guess would be the wor- words like even though I'm collecting information that's very useful, I get very flippant. Irritable. And I never knew this because I used to get really pissed off if, if he'd be like, Are you getting your period? Like, that's like the worst thing to me that a guy never asked
1: that to a woman. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Yes. Don't ask
2: me that. So <laughs> yeah. I, but, but he did. And I started to notice like every single time he'd mention it, he'd be right.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I did notice that I'm just more irritable. So I do have PMS. And um, I feel like as much as you're collecting all of this information about things you could change in your life, You're also, I'm guessing on a hormonal level, in a way you're thinking clearly, you're seeing problems, but in a way you're also not thinking clearly because you're not probably totally in touch with a clean solution for it in that moment. And I I don't know, I'm, I'm just curious on a mental level with hormones, what you think is happening right before your period as far as solving problems or what can somebody do in their work schedule to kind of mitigate any sort of stress during those few days before your period?
0: Hey U-Turners, I want to take this moment to say that this episode is sponsored in part by SaneBox, an email tool that I have been using every single day to be more productive and less scattered. With the average person working and getting 100 to 200 emails a day, I don't know about you, but I've been fighting the fight with email for a few years now, and after continuously losing, I decided that I needed help. I did my research, and I was so excited to find SaneBox as an affordable tool for my Gmail, and it works with any other email provider, really, that can sort your emails for you before you open up your laptop and get lost in the sauce. All you'll see once you download it is on your sidebar where there's words like inbox or trash. There will be a couple other new folders that I'm totally obsessed with. One is called Sane Later, which is pretty much code for all the emails coming in that you don't need to see. And the other one, my favorite one, is called the Sane Black Hole, which is where you can drag and drop emails that you just don't want to be subscribed to any more. The Sane Later box automatically uses artificial intelligence to know that you don't want that email, and it puts it right there in that folder. Every few days, I check my Sane Later folder, skim through it, and I'm just so happy to be saving so much time. I used to spend every single morning overwhelmed by my inbox, and now I have so much more time on my hands thanks to SaneBox. So for the first couple of weeks, I monitored my SaneBox once a day and dragged and dropped messages from senders that I would have wanted in my regular inbox and now I find that it perfectly knows who should and shouldn't be waking their way in my inbox. So head on over to www.sanebox.com slash u-turn that's s-a-n-e-b-o-x dot com slash y-o-u-t-u-r-n to access 14 days of Sanebox for free and a $25 credit to get a serious discount on the super affordable year membership now. It's time we all get out of our inbox and back into our life. Now let's get back to this week's episode.
1: Yeah, this is a great question. I think that the first thing is that you may not necessarily come to a solution in those days before your period, but it is a way for your body to be saying, hey, this is, this is the issue that I'm seeing that you, you and the brain, you know, you and your algorithms and your logistics, and you think you got it all planned, but let me, the body bring up to the surface, the things that are bought. So that may show up as being a bit more snippy or being a bit more irritable with your partner or, you know, with your children or what have you. And for women who uh, are noticing this about themselves, what's happening on a physiological level is we're actually seeing, um, estrogen and progesterone decline. So I mentioned, in that week three and into sort of the first half of week four, we have this sustained uh, secretion of estrogen, and then we also see progesterone peak at the end of week three, kind of beginning of week four. And when there's no fertilization, when the egg is not fertilized, your body's like, okay, well, we got to we got to stop, we got to scrap all this uterine lining, we got to scrap all this stuff and start anew because we're going to try to get a fresh, fertilized egg next month. So whether or not you want a child you know, whether or not you want to become pregnant, your body is going to do this irrespective of your desires here. So, um, so that's one thing to note. So you have this, this negativity bias comes from this sudden drop in the estrogen and the progesterone, uh, in your body. So it's almost like a withdrawal, right? So your brain and your body are withdrawing from, um, the progesterone and the estrogen and progesterone is very interesting because it has lots of, lots of effects on the body. But in particular, when we talk about this in the context of the brain, progesterone is sort of our calm. it, It activates a neurotransmitter called GABA, which is a, um, And for the most part, it's an inhibitory neurotransmitter. There's some situations where it's not, but for the most part, it calms us down. It keeps us chill. And so when you suddenly withdraw that, when the progesterone suddenly drops, then all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay like I'm not suddenly chill anymore. What are, and then it's sort of like the, you know, the, uh, the saying where like you get caught with your, you know, your pants down as the tide goes out or something. I'm very bad at saying as you can, yeah. <laughs> 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 but you know, you're, you're sort of caught and you're like, Oh my gosh, like, what? okay, these are all the, these are all the problems. Right. So if you're someone who's, um, in the workplace and you notice yourself becoming agitated, uh, one of the things that, um, I would, I would counsel any woman to do is not to try and ignore it because that's where we run into tension. That's where we begin to butt up against who we are. If you're trying to just white knuckle your way through this, you know, whether that's with diet or it's with your behavior, I think you need to give yourself permission to come undone. And I think that for women um, we are, you know, living and growing up in this more patriarchal um, society, you know, Showing emotion has been, you know, a sign of weakness. It's, you know, it's see- we're seen as the weaker sex. You know, we have this period that makes us hysterical. I'm using air quotes for those of you that are just listening to me. We're not actually hysterical. but um, but allowing yourself, whether that is, you know, you go to the bathroom and you have a moment to yourself or you come home at the end of the day and you allow yourself to come undone and to feel your feelings, I think that this is where, you can, you can gain such clarity in terms of what the next steps may be, you know, where the things that are not working for you right now uh, are happening so that you can focus on creating solutions for them. Um, so my, my best advice would be to create space for yourself because no one else is going to do it for you, right? Like n- you're not going to get any bosses like, are you in that negativity bias part of your cycle, would you like to go to our, our room here after the, no one's going to do that. You have to, you have to create the space yourself. You have to allow for a safe boundary for you to say, okay, like I'm, I'm in the bathroom stall. I'm at home at the end of a work, you know, I'm going to, I am going to allow myself to feel all of those things that are bubbling up so that I can figure out what I need to do next.
2: I love this so much. And I have to ask, like, based on everything we're sharing on the different rhythms and seasons that exist with our menstrual cycle, is there like two or three days a month that you think like, these are your most creative days, mark your calendar, you're going to make magic happen based on your hormones?
1: Yeah, I would, I would say generally, it's the second week of your cycle where we are very creative. We're very expansive. So right after the bleed week, um, this is where, um, you are, you know, more open. You are more open to receiving. You're usually more open to chatting, uh, and speaking and creating and all the networking. This is a, this is a, this is ripe. This is like the spring. You are ripe here, um, for creativity and even right up to ovulation, I would say as well. Um, very, very, uh, creative time for you.
2: Love this so much. And. Obviously, we can't have an ex- uh, an episode about feminine power with you being a women's health and hormone expert without me asking about sex. So, um, I I know that with quarantine, there's like nothing sexy about seeing each other all day in the same pants. <laughs> yes, and like, I feel like there was like one moment in the middle of COVID where I had like four different zit creams on my face and like like crackers in my hair and just the same sweats as yesterday. And I was just like, Oh my God, I have completely let go and need to come back now. So, you know, just for anyone whose sex drive is high or low, I know that there's a lot to it. I know that it's not just like, I don't have a sex drive. I do have a sex drive. Um, I know that some women have issues in their relationship that unless they handle the issue, their sex drive is going to stay kind of dead. So I'm just curious, like anything you could talk about with, and I know you talk a lot in your book about orgasms and the different types. So yeah, anything that we can learn about sex drive, um, maybe it really short period, maybe not our home or home ones in general. Um, I would love to hear.
1: Sure. And you're right. You know, having you know, your libido is very, is multifactorial. There's so many things can affect it. Quarantine, of course. Um, you know, seeing the person every single day, um, there's that novelty, you know, that excitement that can wear off, right? So we can talk about that in context of neurotransmitters, and you know, medications can change libido. There's, ma- there's many reasons. So one of the things that I, the, the point of in the the in the in the, ch- in the book, we talked about sleep and sex. That was the biggest chapter um, in the book, and it's so important to talk about sex for women because I think for so many of us, um, we grew up. I mean, I, I can speak to my own experience sort of growing up like Catholic, you know, I, I, we, we were like taught that, you know, if you went into a swimming pool, you were going to get pregnant. Like it was just like, you know, we weren't ever taught about our fertility, right. We were never taught about our sensuality. It was something that you had to look this way, smile this way, dress this way, you know, legs always like this kind of, this kind of idea. And I think that for women, you're the, just by way of the creative prowess that your womb holds. So this is true, whether you have a uterus or not. So whether you've had a hysterectomy, you've had surgery, or you're in menopause, and you, you no longer have, um, you know, a cycle, your womb is the seat of this all chemical power, you your womb, you know, I call it big ovary energy, right? Like, this big ovary energy has the power to transmute pain into power. And one of the ways that you do that is by honoring your neurology and your physiology down there. So if we just look at your anatomy, um, you know, just, just looking at the anatomy, when we look at the vulva and we look at the clitoris in particular, uh, we're totally going to get an E by the way, on, the, on this podcast, like the explicit, um, but we look at the clitoris, it has absolutely no Function no reproductive function at all. So if we look at the equivalent on a man, obviously the penis is you know it's a multitasker, right? So it's involved in urination, it's involved in uh, reproductive function as well with ejaculation. The clitoris in the woman does none of those things. It's just pleasure. So obviously the vulva opening into the vagina, this is where you know our reproductive function and our seat uh, of reproductive reproductive function lives. But if you just look at your anatomy, you are designed to enjoy pleasure. You are des- like it is your birthright to have pleasure by just vis a vis your anatomy. So, if we can just look at it that way and say, okay, so I have this beautiful, um, uh, part of my anatomy that can give me this extraordinary power, extraordinary pleasure. And when we look at the physiological implications of having regular sex, so when I say sex, I, it's either with a partner or with yourself, um, the impact that it has on your brain. Uh, so what we see often post-orgasm um, when we look at brain scans, is that the air, like the motor cortex, the prefrontal, all these areas that are involved in thinking strategy, planning future, they literally light up like a Christmas tree. Um, When we look at heart rate, heart rate improves, we see a lowered heart rate, lowered respiratory rate, improved heart rate variability, which is like just looking at the timing in between your heart. So your, your heart shouldn't just only beat like once every second, there should be like, sometimes it should beat at 0.9 seconds then at one, then at 0.7, then at 1.2, there should be this variability. And that's actually an indication of your balance in your nervous system. Um, blood pressure. There's all these different vital signs um, that will improve the more that a woman is having an orgasm. Mm. So even if we just don't even talk about pleasure, like, yes, it feels really good to (laughs) to have an orgasm. If we just think about this from the physiological benefits, you are going to live a longer life. And those that longer life, the, you know, we're talking about longevity, but we're also talking about health span, like the years that you live will also be spent healthier. Mm and this is a piece that i don't think a lot of healthcare practitioners you know maybe because it's just still taboo or they feel uncomfortable themselves discussing with their patients but women need to know the power that they have and the more that you orgasm the more that you're able to tap into that creativity like some someone might talk about it in terms of chakras or energy centers like your root chakra your your sacral chakra this is all in that in that same vicinity so if you can open up that creative prowess by orgasming, you are going to be much better off for it.
2: Mm, Beautiful. And I feel like there's a certain percent of the population who can't have an orgasm. Can you tell me a little bit about what you think is going on there and just any data that you can share? Because it sounds like orgasms are kind of this key to so much more well-being. And I know there's a lot of women that feel like, They can't make it happen or they're struggling with that. So just curious what you have to say on that one.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And I want to be very sensitive here and say like, you know, I'm not expect like we don't orgasm like men do. Right. So often in, you know, in, and I'm talking about this from a heterosexual uh, perspective, of course, I'm inclusive of all types of uh, relationships. So when I'm talking about this, I'm dry, I'm drawing from the science um, as much as I can. So if uh, I'm, I'm trying to be inclusive, so please I'm learning and um, please forgive me if I don't have all the right words um, as I'm describing this, but for a lot of um, women, we feel like because we've grown up in, you know, a lot of us have watched, you know, pornography that have usually directed by men. Like there's this sort of assumption that we need to be coming after like two minutes, right? And that's just not how it works. Like that's, that's not how we work. Uh, You know, there's, you have to change positions. You have to change tempos. You have to change like technique, like all, you know, it's very, um, it, it for a woman to, to, climax. There's a lot more effort that has to be put in versus for a man, for a man, you know, he may, he may, you know, orgasm in a shorter amount of time because he doesn't need this type of, um, change of stimulation. So for a woman, that's, that's number one, I would say like, take, you shouldn't be orgasming like a guy, this idea that you should be orgasming together, or that you should only, that you should be orgasming on penetration. That's another, um, A myth that's often propagated by society that women should be, uh, I mean, a lot of women do, um, you know, uh, orgasm with penetration, but many of us, we will orgasm from clitoral stimulation, right? So that's number one. For women who are having uh, trouble, there can be hormonal issues, um, at play. So low testosterone and low estrogen are often sort of two of the big ones that I would, I would look at first, you know, testosterone is very much, uh, involved in our libido. It's also involved in other things like our muscle mass, right? So the lean muscle mass that we have, um, is very much dictated by the amount of testosterone that we have. So if you're a woman who's in her perimenopausal or menopausal years, and you're not lifting weights you know this is a very uh you know without having too aggressive of an intervention although i'm i'm okay with any anything that you decide to do um one of the first things that you should be considering is lifting weights so that you can begin to put on more lean muscle mass and that will naturally increase your testosterone which will naturally increase the um you know your libido and of course the maintenance of your vagina and your vulva like the a lot of times women will say there's painful sex pain, uh, you know, with penetration or, you know, in where we have very low testosterone, we can have what you're describing this anorgasmia, this inability, um, to climax. So I would start with some of the, um, lifestyle factors like exercise there would be, you know, I talk about this in the book, nutrition, uh, protocols that you can follow as well, that are going to help to drive up, uh, natural testosterone and progesterone issues. Um, and then there's also, you know, once you've exhausted that, there can be, you may look at bioidentical hormones, you might look at exogenous testosterone um, and other and other proxies that might that might help. But the the point is, is that we we're different from men. We don't orgasm the same way. We need more foreplay. Our foreplay is different, right? Like for me, when my partner does the dishes, like I'm like, I'm happy with that. Like, that's like a nice, like, I care about you. You're being considered. Whereas a man, like they tend to be much more visual, right? So all they need to see is you taking your shirt off and they're ready to go. So for women, like the foreplay is sort of all day long. And if you have tension in the relationship, if you have things that have been um, unresolved that have sat in the relationship for months, years, decades, that is going to show up in the bedroom as well. There's going to be this, uh, there's going to be this energy that's, that stands between you and your partner. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So that would be something that I would also consider looking at as well, which is where you're speaking about it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's like just feedback when you're, you don't have a sex drive with your partner. It's like, what are some of these unresolved issues or is there something going on with your hormones that you need to tend to and how cool that you can kind of eat and exercise in a way that can support your libido. I feel like I could ask you so many questions, but I want everybody to get the book. So anybody who's listening, you know, just a reminder, it's called The Betty Body by Dr. Stephanie Estima. Can you tell us, um, yeah, just like anything I haven't asked you that you want to make sure everybody listening knows on these topics of hormones, sex, orgasms. And if I've asked you some of the things, then um, where everybody can just find you.
1: Yeah, I think you've you've asked some great questions. I think my one desire for anybody who reads this book is that your hormones are actually your superpower. So once you understand the ebbs and flows of your hormonal milieu, you can make better decisions around your food, around your exercise, but also in your life, like your business, when you choose to travel, when you choose to book, you know, conversations like you and I are having right now. You know, we might try you may try to book those in your luteal phase because you're going to be much more, um, articulate. And of course it doesn't happen. Like it's not hundred percent of the time that this is going to be, but you, at least it can help inform your decisions. So that would be my, you know, f- you get one thing, um, from this conversation is that your hormones are actually working for you. Your body is not working against you. She's always trying to talk to you. She just doesn't talk in the language of text messaging or, email she talks in symptoms so once you understand her symptoms once you get to decode that language then you can have this beautiful conversation um, with your body so um, you can find the book anywhere you can find it any online retailer barnes and noble amazon you know all the all the online places um and then you can if you want the book is a great place to start and you can also check me out as you mentioned on on my podcast so it's called better with dr stephanie thank you
2: again
0: Thank you so much. Hey, U-Turners. This episode is sponsored in part by our friends over at Organifi. And just for a second, I want to tell you about yet another one of my absolute favorite products they have. It's their gold powder. This golden powder tastes like the holidays. It's a nice cinnamony, comforting taste packed with ingredients like turmeric, ginger, reishi mushrooms, which help you chill out lemon balm prebiotics which are so necessary for your gut health and even some magnesium which can be so helpful for a better sleep as soon as the afternoon slump hits me i like to pour myself some nut milk with gold powder into my favorite mug and that is just the best way I can take care of myself instead of having another cup of coffee and it's super food blends just make it so easy for me to add more variety and nutrition into my day so if you'd like to give the gold powder a try over at Organifi I can't recommend it enough head on over to Organifi.com slash u-turn that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash y-o-u-t-u-r-n and make sure you use that u-turn checkout code for 20% off thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode
3: this episode is brought to you by the yap media podcast network i'm hala taha ceo of the award-winning digital media empire yap media